When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Welcome back into the unfortunately still untitled Colin Taylor, Pearson Fowler, South Carolina Basketball Collaboration Project. The title gets longer and more convoluted every week, which is why it is becoming increasingly important that y'all hit us with all of your suggestions for what the heck we should call this podcast. Uh, front runners right now, I guess, are Cock Blocks and Ali Scoop. Ali Scoop's probably, the, I think, my clubhouse leader at yeah. this point. That's a good one and a little bit less risque, although I do yeah. like to push the envelope. It's It's one of those things where it's like, I'm probably going to you know, see my aunts and uncles at Christmas, and they're going to ask what I'm up to, and I probably shouldn't tell them that I'm doing a podcast called Cock Blocks. Yeah, we talk but, about Cock Blocks. Yeah, we just, we just talk about Cock Blocks all the time. But uh, anyway, we are still uh, pending a title, but we're rolling with all the basketball content because basketball season is obviously well underway for South Carolina. And after finally passing a relatively stiff test, notching their best win of the season last Sunday, they have certainly their stiffest competition of the year coming up this Sunday, and the defending national champions, the Virginia Cavaliers, a team that has one loss on the year. They're nine and one. They lost to Purdue. Yep. They're an interesting team. It's they've kind of zigged while the rest of college basketball and just basketball in general has zagged. It's like basketball now was all about shooting and pace and space, high scoring basketball, and Virginia likes to slow it down. They were one of the slower teams in the country. They play excellent defense, as is of course a hallmark of all Tony Bennett teams. And clearly it worked well enough for them to win the whole kit and caboodle last year. They've kind of kept that rolling again this year. And uh, as I mentioned, I mean, Houston's like a really good team that Carolina's playing, but this is a, a different kind of good team, a team with legitimate national championship, not just NCAA tournament aspirations. What are your expectations for the Gamecocks on Sunday? Uh, low scoring, <laughs> regardless of win, loss, draw, whatever. I think it's going to be pretty low scoring. Uh, two teams that like to defend, uh, two completely styles of defense. Two, two completely different styles of defense, um, both man-to-man. But, yeah, Virginia's really good. They're probably the best team defensively in the country right now, uh, even with some pretty young pieces. So uh, I expect whatever happens, it's going to be uh, rock fighty, uh, akin to kind of what Clemson was, maybe instead of just for one half the entire game. Uh, and, and I don't think Virginia scored more than 65 points in a game, so I think it'll be in that low 60s, High 50s range. It's really interesting. We're going to explore the margins of this game because, as I mentioned, this is obviously the stiffest test for South Carolina. I have no expectation that they will win. I don't have a line on this game. Normally, college basketball lines don't come out till I don't know, about 24 hours before the game starts. But ESPN's BPI 
prediction whatever says that Carolina only has about a 10% chance to win this game, which sounds about right. They only gave Carolina about a 25% chance to win the Clemson game. So those things don't really matter. But just to give you an idea of kind of what the margins in this game are, uh, we are going to explore some ways that South Carolina could prevail in this game. But And I guess one of the places we'll start with that is that Virginia doesn't score a lot. And it's for a couple different reasons. I mentioned they play with one of the slowest paces in the country. Um, but interestingly, they're not a terribly efficient offensive team. A, a lot of times, I guess, or at least in theory, you would say a team that plays slow it down basketball is going to be really meticulous on offense. They're going to generate, I guess, high quality looks and just be really efficient so that they can make up for it. But as you mentioned, they've only scored 65 points once this year. That's the most they've scored. Carolina has scored at least 65 points in nine of their 11 games right. this season, which is kind of odd. It's, I mean, obviously, it's two completely different teams, and Virginia's a better team and has a better record, and Carolina's scored more points, but they've given up a lot more points. But with that scoring burst, Virginia hasn't played, I mean, they've played some good teams. They haven't played all world beaters. They actually do have a common opponent in UMass. Virginia scored, I think, only 58 against UMass in the game. And again, I think that has as much to do with pace as anything. But Carolina has shown scoring bursts against lesser opponents. Is that even, like, actually realistically possible against Virginia? I mean, I think so. I think it has to start early. Um, You're playing pretty much the college basketball version of the triple option. So you're not going to get a lot of chances offensively. And you're going to need to take make the most of them. Uh, with with the triple option offense in football, you have to get up early on them and kind of get them out of their game. That's kind of what you have to do against Virginia because they're so good defensively and they've been downright mediocre to not good offensively this year that if you can get out to six, seven-point lead on them, they're not going to know what to do half the time just because they don't make shots at a regular clip. Um, their effective field goal percentage is 47.6, which is not good. Uh, they're not shooting the ball well um, from three, so you're trying to get you're you're going to have to get some points early, and if you do that, I think you like your chances later on in the game, just for it to be close. And Frank Martin teams, we all know, um, have a propensity to pull out wins late when they're close in the last four or five minutes. You have a great piece up on Gamecock Central right now previewing the opponent like you do before all South Carolina basketball games, so we're not going to totally cannibalize that, but you do dig into some of the the deeper numbers. Uh, I mentioned Virginia playing with one of the slowest paces in the country. Carolina, we've seen the last couple years play with a little more pace than I guess we're used to from most Frank Martin teams, but what is actually the difference in the pace of these two teams? I mean, it's night and day. Uh, I'm looking at the numbers here. South Carolina's average possession length is 15 seconds, whereas Virginia's is 21, almost 22 so they milk every last bit of clock they can, uh, and, and that limits what they can do offensively. That's why you don't see them shooting the ball well because they don't, you know, if they get off to a slow start, that's why you don't see them score many points. Uh, whereas South Carolina, it's kind of volume. The more shots you throw at the rim, the more chance you have of them going in. So uh, I think South Carolina is going to want to push the pace a little bit. I think they're going to try to get Virginia out of their game by mixing up some defensive styles to try to force some turnovers, uh, get some runouts, uh, and you're going to see two. Two teams that are similar in styles, but South Carolina is going to want to play to their extreme in terms of fast tempo just to speed Virginia up and try to get them, if you can get them out of their game a little bit and moving them a little bit faster, then they're going to start taking shots with 18 seconds left, 15 seconds left on the shot clock, whereas instead of trying to milk it for all that it's worth. 
it's still kind of weird to be talking about a Frank Martin basketball team like it's this. Fast, yeah, yeah, because normally you're like, okay, low scoring game that's going to favor Frank Martin. It's going to be about getting some timely buckets for South Carolina. But I mean, other than that, that, that should favor Carolina. You know, it did in the Clemson game. They were able to. That was that was a rock fight. It was I don't know. I guess medium scoring. What was it sixty seven to fifty five? Was that the final yeah, score? Something, of the Clemson something like, that. like that. So you know, not high scoring, not super low scoring, but a lot of turnovers, a lot of fouls, and I feel like traditionally that would favor Carolina. And you wonder. Because I think you and I are both expecting that the defense will get better. We saw certainly a step in the right direction against Clemson, but that's a team that's a little bit limited offensively. Although you mentioned, and we've talked about now a couple of times, that Virginia isn't exactly an offensive juggernaut. So how do you see, or I guess what are the chances that you see Carolina either continuing what they did against Clemson defensively or even continuing to progress towards what I feel like is the eventual upside of this team being a very good defensive team on Sunday? I think you're going to see an improvement. I think you're going to see a team that understands a little bit more of the core concepts of what they're doing defensively. Um, adding Trey Hannibal into the mix we've talked about is big. Um, getting more minutes from Mike Coatsar and Keyshawn Bryant and Justin Manaya. Uh, I think the defense is going to be not drastically improved, but you're going to start to see incremental improvements until you get into conference play um, before they reach their full potential. But, yeah, I think that... And then Virginia's not good, so you're probably going to see the metrics look really good for South Carolina in terms of effective field goal percentage against defensive efficiency in this game. Just because Virginia isn't great offensively, now I say that, and Virginia's going to go off for like 80 points and you know hit 15 to 17 three-pointers, but uh, that, that reverse jinx we're talking about. But I, I think you're going to see a South Carolina team that's better defensively, and the biggest question, obviously, into this is can they just get to 50 or 60 points and if they do I like their chances to win this basketball game if they're going to do it with tempo if they're going to try to establish if they're going to try to establish their style of play and do it early because that was exactly what happened against Purdue I mean they lost that game by 30 points it was 69 to 40 I think was the final score in that Virginia game and I mean Purdue had like a I mean, it just it was going away. I think Virginia had a lead with like five minutes into the first half, and that was the last time they led. And then Purdue, Purdue just like blew them out the entire time. So if Carolina's going to do that, like like you're saying, they're going to need to play with a little more pace, create more opportunities because mm-hmm. they're not a super efficient team. Uh, probably maximize offensive rebounding. That's going to be something you're taking a lot of shots. Carolina's not a really uh, good offensive, or excuse me, not a good, uh, not a very efficient offensive team necessarily. But when they can generate the second chance opportunities, one of the things that I will be curious to see, and I guess we can go ahead and do this. We, we joked that uh, after we reverse jinx Trey Hannibal, we're just going to have to pick someone to reverse jinx, or or I don't know, reverse jinx, or maybe we'll accidentally end up jinxing them. Uh, but someone that I feel like needs to have a big game for Carolina on Saturday, I'll be curious if, if he gets into the starting lineup. He was starting a couple games before the Clemson game. He wasn't in the starting lineup against Clemson because Keyshawn Bryant was back in there. But Wilden's Levesque, yep. who's very athletic, who's very long, very springy, good rebounder, brings a lot of energy to that side of the floor. Not as good defensively as Mike Coates are right now just because uh, he you know, doesn't have... He's played eleven games for Frank Martin. So it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to it's yeah, hard to pick that up. Get lost really quick in that. But one. even if he's not starting, I think for Carolina to win, he's going to need to have big minutes. He's going to need to do an excellent job on the offensive glass, get some second chance points, and just be a real energy guy because you feel like that's where Carolina can additionally additionally steal some possessions from Virginia. Yeah, and Virginia is not a great offensive rebounding team, but they're limiting their opponents in terms of offensive rebounding. So. Uh, because their front court of, um, I think, Jay Huff, I'm looking at, yeah, Jay Huff and Mamadi Diakite are both really, really good. And you're going up against Mike Kotsar, who this year has been good, but in previous years hasn't been great as a, as an offensive rebounder. And then, you know, Levesque, who's obviously either going to be, a fre- uh, you know, a freshman going up against a senior who's on a national championship team last year, or Justin Manaya, who's three inches shorter than Diakite going up against 
a guy like that. So you're going to need to win that matchup, and then you're going to need to hit shots. They have some youth. Um, I, I, I'm looking at the name here, and it's like Kihei Clark. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't know how to pronounce yeah. that. Kihei, uh, Kihei, Yeah, Kihei, whatever it Kihei. is. Um, he started last year as a freshman but as a point guard, but is just a sophomore, and then you have a, a freshman and a sophomore rounding out that backcourt. So you're going to need to kind of exploit that and have A.J. Lawson play well, have Keyshawn Bryant play well at that three spot, and then get productive minutes from a Jermaine Kusnar to Jair Bolden. Who I, those are the two guys, if I'm trying to reverse jinx somebody to have a good game, they're going to need to be able to knock down some shots on the wing and get Virginia out of that pack line, pack it into the paint, and dare you to shoot over them. Because if you can hit some threes, that kind of gets them out of their defensive identity a little bit because of it. Carolina hit some big threes, obviously, down the stretch of that Clemson game. Still wasn't like a tremendous shooting performance. They were like 8 of 18, which is you know nice in terms of a percentage, not like an outrageously crazy night. The difference is going to be uh, Carolina was able to generate some open looks in that game. Mm-hmm. They're probably not going to have any open looks. You're, right, no, you're going to get one shots. open three. Yeah. You have to hit it. And that's why, you know, the, like the Jair Bolden, we talk about him. You know, he had a good game against Clemson, or at least a good second half against Clemson. We talked about when he is when he's rolling. It looks really good, and I feel like he is the guy more than anybody else that you would want taking contested jumpers. Yeah, maybe A.J. Lawson, throw him in there. But the tough shot makers are going to have to do what Frank Martin has been talking about them being able to do for the last couple years. It's going to be on display. This is a great test for those guys. Um, I I don't know if it's going to be Bolden or Kuzinar, but I feel like it has to be one of those two guys needs to be 15 to 18, shooting very efficiently. And it's just going to have to be making tough shots, which is weird. Like, it, it... and this is why you're a significant underdog going into this game because the mm-hmm. game plan's like, okay, make shots that are really hard to make and that you haven't made a lot of this year, yeah. but you feel like those guys can make them. It's just a matter of, is this the game that maybe they, they put it together or Carolina finally? Because they played 11 games. They haven't had a single like outrageous shooting performance that it's I can think of. It's all been kind of consistent. They're, I mean, they're getting open looks, mm-hmm. but it's just they're not knocking them down. Right. So, I mean, if they have one of those performances in it, I mean, it happens in basketball. It's kind of going to have to be one of those nights for Carolina. And, and like you said, it starts with either either Bolden or Kuznar because you feel like you know what you're going to get from Lawson. You feel like you know what you're going to get from Bryant. If those two guys give you 30, 35 points, you know, some solid defense on the other end, it's like where are the other 20 points coming from? Right. You get 10 or 15 of those from Kuznard, you're feeling pretty good. You get you know a couple from Kotsar, a couple from Anaya. You feel like you can start to piecemeal this together, but more than Kotsar, more than Manaya, it's got to be either Bolden or Kuznard for me. Yeah, and I mean, if you're getting 15 points, 20 points from A.J. Lawson, I feel really good about this this game uh, because the pieces around him could... You're probably looking to score 55 to 60 points if you want to beat Virginia. Uh, so if you get 20 from A.J. Lawson, you only got to find and piece together 30 more from a Kuznard, a Bolden, a, a Kotsar. Bryant and, and Frank been, yeah Frank uh, Hannibal whoever you want to play that would make me feel good if AJ Lawson had 20 points if I was a South Carolina fan so you're trying to piece together and I keep going back to starting fast but if you can come out and start on a 6-0 run 7-0 run or, or get up 10-4 in this game and, and start to build some momentum especially on the road that's huge and will it happen I got no idea but I think that you're going to be able to know how this game's going to go from from the jump, I think. The other weird part about that is if Carolina's game plan is going to be to, to build an early lead and obviously hang on to that, make Virginia try to play from behind, get a little bit out of their comfort zone, kind of, uh, I don't know, common wisdom there is, okay, you get a lead and then you slow the game down, limit possessions, but that's kind of exactly what Virginia wants to do. And if Carolina yeah. does get out to an early lead, it's probably because they're playing with a little bit of a higher pace, maybe getting out in transition, forcing some turnovers, and you kind of don't want to get away from that game plan. But on the other hand, it feels like, 
you got to be careful you know, with any kind of lead on the road against a team of this caliber. So if that does happen, if that does come to fruition, that, like you said, Carolina gets out to a 12-5 to kind of lead, I, I wonder what what direction they go. If they try to double down, limit possession, shorten the game, again, conventional wisdom, or if they just keep leaning into their style. Um, and, and it's it's just, there's, there's no right answer with this. Mm-hmm. I'm generally someone that, in all sports, I don't like getting conservative when if you have a broke, lead. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. You know? yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but I just, this seems like the kind of game that that could totally happen, and then Virginia creeps back into it, and uh, I mean, there's a reason that they're a really good team because they can also impose their will at any given time in, in terms of you know the pace of the game and things like that. So uh, a lot of reasons it's a stiff test. One of the other things to watch for that I'm excited, in the tournament run last year, DeAndre Hunter was the guy for Virginia. He was a lottery pick. Where did he go? Six or something seven like, to Atlanta, yeah. something like that. Yes, like Kyle Guy, too. Yeah, and Kyle Guy, it was it was Kyle Guy's national championship game. Yeah. But Diakite was my favorite guy to watch in the entire tournament run. He is so good. Yeah. And that terrifies me because, you know, like you mentioned, even if, if Lawson has another 17 points, I think he's, what, at 16 a game right now? Something ish. like that. Right if he there. has, like, that 17 to 20, which is really nice, what you need to get out of him, and then you're trying to figure out where the other 35 points are coming from, I'm kind of terrified about what Frank, Kotsar, and Levesque are going to be able to do. That's why I'm kind of looking to Levesque because it, it feels like his points, his opportunities are going to come off of second chances, but just like dumping the ball in the post, like Frank has some flashes, you know, he's got a nice move. He's when he's decisive down there, when he gets the ball and just makes a quick decision and goes up, he's, you know, a pretty good finisher around the rim. But when you're going up against a guy like Diakite, who's so long, who's so athletic, he had just, he had several highlight blocks in that tournament run last year. That really scares me. I I feel like he might be completely neutralizing Carolina's post threats, which is again, the other reason that I'm looking to Carolina's guards to pick up that scoring slack. Yeah. And I think that Frank loves to, throw the ball in the paint and even if it doesn't go up and, and you shoot it from the paint but he wants the ball to touch the paint in pretty much every possession and that's going to be really hard to do with Diakite kind of sitting down there with Jay Huff and I mean he's I think I'm looking at it right now Diakite's 121st nationally among all 3,000 5,000 whatever basketball players and block percentage so um, they're sending them back at a pretty high rate uh, you're going to need Kotar and Levesque to just Bang down there, uh, you're going to need them to kind of out-physical Diakite, who's kind of seen everything at this point in the ACC and in, in the NCAA tournament. And then you're going to need to find ways to kind of maybe get him in foul trouble. Uh, Virginia doesn't foul a whole lot, but, you know, if you can find ways to put two fouls on him in the first 10 minutes, that makes you feel really good about your chances down low uh, the rest of the game, especially if he gets a third foul in the first half. I don't know how Bennett structures it, and then... You know, if you can do that and kind of get them out of their headspace that they go into with games and, you know, you have Bolden and Kustar knocking down shots, you feel pretty good about your chances. And all that's hypotheticals, but, you know, if that happens, you know, South Carolina could be in this game with, you know, six, seven, eight minutes to go. Got to be aggressive. Yes. Got to attack. Frank Martin said he wasn't going to change the starting lineup until closer to Christmas. I guess the Clemson game was relatively close to Christmas. That's when he inserted Keyshawn Bryant back into the lineup. And I haven't decided which way I want to go with this yet. And I think I know. I think it's going to be the exact same starting lineup that we saw against Clemson. But just to bring it back to Levesque, I don't think he's going to be in the starting lineup because I think they like you know Bryant and allowing Manaya to play the four. And there is value to having Kotsar, who is a veteran guy, and who's been playing very well this year, very consistently well. He's I don't know. I don't know what his averages are, but he's probably like 9-6 and six on the year. And it's been very consistent. It's not like... 
was it last year or two years ago that he scored 25 against Mississippi State and then it took him like five more games to get to a total of 25 yeah, that was last points? Year. Yeah, the the Mike Coates game. Yeah, the Mike Coates game and then the next five games combined. I don't know if he had 25 points. No. It's been it's been very consistent. You've been able to rely on him. But again, just to go back to Diakite, he's not going to be able to match up with that athleticism. I think Diakite is probably going to eat Mike Coates' lunch. Yeah. And I wonder if Frank Martin tries to get out ahead of that and just tries to get a more favorable athletic matchup by putting Levesque in there or if he's just going to roll with Kotsar. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, Mike Kotsar's probably going to start, but I could see Levesque playing some big minutes in the first half, kind of going out there and, you know, based on the strategy, hey, go eat some fouls. That way Mike doesn't get them. We can save him for the second half, kind of what they did with Nathan Nelson a little bit against Clemson. Go out there, and Nathan, Nathan Nelson had three fouls in four minutes. You know, go out there, eat some fouls. I'm watching too much Chris Silva. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, so go out there and do that, and then you save Mike Kotsar for last 10 minutes of the second half or first half and then the second half obviously so um I could see that to a degree and and I think that this is an offense Frank touched on it a little bit yesterday I'm getting my days right about changing the offense up a little bit they're still kind of in that mode where they're tailoring this offense to the strengths of the team and I talked a little bit with Trey Hannibal about that during our freshman availability yesterday and he talked about them just playing a little bit freer so you're going to see guys being able to drive and kind of play their styles within the system a little bit. And um, they're kind of hoping that leads to some more efficiencies. And Mike Coates are obviously a guy to kind of tie it all together, a guy that needs to get some touches. And I think if they can design some place for him early, um, get him some open looks off screens or whatever, they like to run that little pick and pop with him on the, the elbow, uh, hit that jumper. And if he can hit those and, you know, get four or five points the first eight minutes, I think you feel – good about where his headspace is, and if he doesn't foul, well, then I, f- I think you feel really good about that, too. The other interesting question in terms of the personnel, I guess without even necessarily delving into specifics, is just generally, obviously Frank played a little more small ball against Clemson. I think the upside of this team is a little more small ball, and if you're trying to pl- uh, play with more pace, just get as many possessions as possible just to try to get to 65, 66, or even 60 points in this game, you probably want to play more small ball, which means you know more minutes for Hannibal, more minutes for Kuznard off the bench, probably fewer minutes for Frank, um, obviously, Jalen McCreary and Mike. I mean, Mike Henry is like obviously not anywhere in the picture. Uh, Jalen McCreary, I don't, uh, I don't. He didn't play against Clemson. I don't know if he played no. a couple games ago. Did he play against Houston? Maybe uh, a couple minutes. A couple minutes. He's been he's been kind of absent. But if Carolina also is you know trying to exploit the offensive glass, try to steal some of those possessions. You know, try to. I, I don't know if like bullying Virginia is necessarily the right way to go. But I wonder if we do see a little more of two bigs with Levesque and Kozar in this game than we than we saw against Clemson, just so that Carolina can try to steal some more of those possessions and have somebody in the front court that matches up with Diakite athletically while still having, I guess, Kozar's steady defensive presence on the floor. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see. I'm always a big fan of if you're playing a bigger team like Virginia is. I think they're top 100 nationally in height and, and length. Um Put small guys out there because these bigger guys aren't as fast. Keyshawn Bryant's quick. A.J. Lawson's quick. Um, you kind of see it in the NBA when you play bigger teams. Teams usually go smaller. So I think that that's – if I was a coach, now granted I don't get paid you know, a million plus a year to coach a basketball team, but if I'm going in building a game plan, I'm, I'm going small ball. Um, but, yeah, I think that it'll be interesting to see how they decide to match it up and who they put at the four because Keyshawn Bryant, athletically speaking – matches up with Diakite better than I think Manaya does. And I think that if you could put him on him, now height, obviously, and length, Diakite has the advantage, but athletically speaking, I think the matchup 
works for South Carolina to a degree if you put Bryant on him. So it'll be interesting to see how they decided to structure it defensively because of that. You can probably just see me getting excited on the other side of the table here. I'm going to go over under six minutes. What is your prediction? Over under six minutes that Carolina will play either Levesque or Kotsar at five, Bryant at four, and then some combination of Lawson, Bolden, Hannibal, and Cousinard. Basically, it's it's over. It's over. It's over? Yeah, I I think so. Because I think, I mean, Frank talked a little bit about it at the beginning of the season as he likes playing with that Bolden, Cousinard, Lawson backcourt and then if you put Bryant in that athletic I mean he's athletic as hell mm-hmm. and you put him out there and, and you have Kotsar as your offensive rebounder and Bryant is an offensive rebounder I like that lineup and I love be that lineup. yeah I'd be interested to see how it how it plays against a, a top 10 team like Virginia but I mean it can't hurt all right think. let me do let me do one more now I'm getting I'm just getting way too I'm getting frisky over here yeah. this is this okay. is too much over under three and a half minutes South Carolina plays Kuznard Bolden Lawson, Bryant, Manaya at the five. You think they go like all the way small for this game? No. If they're going to embrace it, I, th- I think that's an under. Unless foul trouble hits, I okay. think that's under. Oh, but man. I would, I'd probably scream in the press box there for uh, at JPJ incredible. if that happens because that would be, that would be like the ultimate basketball nerds like dream mm-hmm. right there. Where you yeah. just put a bunch of efficient offensive rebounders on the floor. Yeah, and, I mean that, that's play. the Rockets playing PJ Tucker at the five. PJ yeah. Tucker's you know six six and they're playing him at the five yeah. and he's banging with whomever. And you know the difference because I mean you, you talked about teams doing that in the NBA. The only time that the only time that you can't get away with that is when you're playing the Sixers and Joel Embiid, when you're playing the Nuggets and Nikola Jokic or, or guys like that. And the thing is, you know Virginia obviously they're they're really good defensively. And Diakite's a really good player. He is their top scorer. He's scoring 13 points a game. But he's their best player because of what he does defensively and what he does athletically. He's not someone that's necessarily just going to punish a smaller guy in the post. He's not really that kind of player. So you feel like maybe you can get away with even a little bit more of that. Like you said, I don't necessarily expect to see that. But I don't think it's ridiculous to think that that lineup, that they could play some minutes of that lineup at some point in the season, even if it's just you know four minutes at a time. Yeah, and I think the biggest problem with that right now is I'm looking at Heights and Jay Huff seven one, who's their starting center. So if you if you slap Manaya, who's you know six seven on him, it's probably not going to go well because that's a, almost half a foot height advantage. <laughs> but now if Jay Huff is out of the game, then I mean I don't see why you couldn't play it if if Virginia's going smaller and they're playing Diakite at the five, and then you got another six eight guy, six seven guy at the four. I could see him, you know, playing that style, but. Again, that's that's basketball nerd territory at that point. Well, but Frank has shown more willingness to play with some of that, uh, I guess, more positionless basketball, a little more positional fluidity just in the last couple of years. Now, I mean, like I think we both agree that he will probably have to lose his mind before he goes like that far in that direction. But it's it's fascinating that Carolina has the personnel. And again, I don't think it's ridiculous at all. I mean, I think Manaya what you what you worry about in terms of him defensively, obviously he's Carolina's best perimeter defender. He's fast enough to defend uh, most threes. He's big enough to defend most fours. But, you know, if you're talking about him switching on to twos and ones, he's probably not quite got the foot speed, but he's really strong. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about him banging with most fives yeah. that he's going to see this year. Again, especially because, uh, you know, they're, they're I mean, I don't, I don't really know. I haven't watched as much SEC basketball to this, through this part of the season. I don't know how many Jaleel Okafor-style low post players Carolina's going to play this year and that's when you would worry about some of those lineups and uh, they're, I mean they're definitely not facing that in Virginia I don't know how often they're going to see a guy like that this year yeah and I, I like I mean the SEC is kind of going with Frank Martin I give Frank Martin a lot of credit um he's I mean he's mentioned he's pretty set in his ways and how he wants to play but give him credit South Carolina's played faster 
his last two years with Lawson and Bryant and all those guys, and they're playing smaller, which is kind of how basketball's going. And I'll give Frank Martin credit for adapting his style to that, and I think the SEC in and of itself is adapting to that. So is it going to be Justin Manaya at the five? 60% of the time, no, but I don't think it's crazy. Three minutes? I don't think it's crazy. To, just a little sprinkle in there. Next time I see Frank, I'll talk to him about it. Okay, yeah, yeah, ask him about that for me. Uh, so this is obviously the best team that Carolina's played this year. They lost to Boston. They shouldn't have. And so they're going to spend basically the rest of the season looking to get a marquee win to sort of balance that out. And then you look at the rest of the non-conference. We did this a little bit on the last podcast, and so I don't want to totally beat a dead horse here, but you go into conference play – uh, let's see, what are they now? They're 7-4. and four. So you go into conference play 8-5 and five with losses to Virginia, Houston, Wichita, and Northern Iowa. That's not the worst thing in the world. But when you're looking for that marquee win, I don't expect Carolina to beat Virginia. Right. But the matchup, that it projects to be low scoring, and that it seems like there are a few ways for Carolina to exploit Virginia. And that Virginia, and they haven't blown anybody out. I, I mentioned they have a common opponent. They beat UMass by 12. Carolina only won that game by 4. They scored 84 points. I think. Yeah, yeah. It, they scored 84 points, where Virginia only scored 58. You can say, yeah, I mean, you said there was a night and day difference in terms of the pace, but that wasn't the only difference. Like the, It wasn't like 30 points worth of pace that mm-hmm. Virginia was giving up in that game. So that is a little bit interesting, and, and it really could just be as simple as Kuznar goes off, Bolden goes off, Lawson goes off. That's kind of all you're really looking for. This feels like maybe Carolina's best opportunity to steal a quality win, at least for the foreseeable future, um, just because it projects to be low scoring. If the defensive turnaround that we started to see against Clemson proves to be sustainable against, again, a somewhat limited offensive team, you have to score 60 points to legitimately be in a game. That feels not, not, I'm not, again, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it feels not unrealistic. Yeah, I think that this is a better matchup for South Carolina compared to the other really good teams they've played um, in terms of just where it is in the season, style of play. Um, and I think, I'm trying to use, the words here because I don't think it'll happen either but I think it's going to be close I think it'll be a lot closer than people maybe necessarily think and I don't know if that's because I'm around the team a little bit more than some of these national guys or whatever it is but you know Virginia doesn't score they don't blow people out um they don't blow good teams out right now um looking at you know let, let's pull it up I mean they beat their two best wins are yeah. North Carolina and Syracuse. And Syracuse isn't good this year. No, North Carolina uh-huh. and Syracuse are both six and five. Neither are in the top twenty-five. I, I looked at yeah. Kempom this morning, and I think North Carolina's forty in Kempom, and Syracuse, Syracuse is like fifty-six, fifty-five, fifty-five. And my roommate's a Syracuse fan, and he has not shut <laughs> up about the fact that this is like one of the worst Syracuse teams really? of his lifetime. Yeah. So now, um, worth pointing out, those are both better than any win that Carolina has notched this year. Oh, absolutely. But those are the two best wins, and then you have the loss against Purdue. I don't know how good Purdue actually is. I think they're eight and three or seven and four, something like that, this year. Mm-hmm. So it's a team that won the national championship. You know, Tony Bennett's a great coach, but their best player is Diakite, who I don't think necessarily. As much as I love Diakite, and again, he's a blast to watch just because he's so energetic. Kind of reminds you of Chris Silva in some ways. Yeah. He's not someone that projects to be a one, and so until Virginia finds that guy, finds that guy, I think they're a little bit limited. Their defensive prowess, championship pedigree, their coach and Tony Bennett makes them a like legit contender always and that's why they're you know still a top 10 AP team and obviously sitting there at nine and one they they do what it takes by and large to take care of business but there are some limitations the only way Carolina loses this game embarrassingly is if they score 40 points and it's like 60 to 40 and that could totally happen because Virginia's great but like I said Carolina scored at least 65 in nine of their 11 games this year yeah and I think that I think the magic number you're looking at here is probably 40 percent from the field 
I think when I was looking at their stats yesterday, only f- two teams have shot 40% or better from the floor against Virginia, Ooh. which is insane yeah. to even think about. But in those games, they beat Arizona State, I think, shot 40.5%, so 40.5% from the floor, and they only lost that game by three to Virginia. And then Purdue obviously shot, I think, 45% from the floor and boat waxed them. I mean, 69 to 40, I'm looking at right here. You know, you look at their margins of victories against top 100 teams. You beat Vermont by six. Uh, You beat Arizona State by three. You beat North Carolina by nine. So, and South Carolina right now is sitting at 103, so right around that mark. So, and they beat Syracuse by 14, but that was the first game of the year. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see how South Carolina, how those offensive changes work, if it's going to happen or not. And and I think that if South Carolina can come out and shoot, you know, 38 to 40 percent that I'm not saying they're going to win, but I think that it's going to be close. And I think South Carolina is going to have a chance late to do something. So this has been a lot of hype, a lot of optimism. I, I think you and I both liked what we saw from this Carolina team on Sunday. And again, I think this has more to do with the matchup than thinking Carolina is necessarily good enough to beat a top 10 team right now. But what is the worst loss that Carolina can suffer that you would still feel like it was and this is kind of a weird question because obviously it's all about it's all about nuance, it's all about individual performances and the game within the game. But if Carolina loses sixty to forty, that's not really progress. But if they lose sixty to fifty eight, that's a good performance against a really good team, and you feel like that is you know continuing a little bit of forward momentum, at least moving in the right direction. What's the worst loss that Carolina can suffer where you would still probably feel good about the game afterwards? And if if they keep it within ten, I think that that's. Pretty positive. Uh, obviously, like you said, it depends on, you know, how did A.J. Lawson look? How did, you know, Keyshawn Bryant or Jermaine Kustard or Jair Bolden or Trey Hannibal look? Um, but, yeah, if they can keep it and shoot well and get good looks against, you know, a team that doesn't give you a whole lot of good looks, then you feel pretty good about your chances. And I'll kind of equate this to that Michigan game last year where they went up to Ann Arbor against a team that was top five in defense defensive efficiency and, um, was Final Four good last year? And, I mean, I'll look up the score, but, like, they played well in that game, and I think they lost by... And I think it was, like, 69 to 59, maybe? I don't know why that's in my much head. high score. This was 89 to 78. 89 to 78. Okay, it was, like, yeah, a 10-point so, game. But it was a 10-point yeah. game, and, you know, Frank Martin talks about that game a lot, being this is kind of the game that you realized what we could be. And even though they lost it, they never really got down, and then they lost Virginia by 17 at home. Uh, but... They kept building a little bit, and I think that this is kind of what that game's going to be. Um, and if they can keep it within 10 and continue to build and look good doing it, you feel pretty good about this team going into uh, Stetson and obviously these 18 conference games. So fast forward a little bit. We're going to fast forward to Tuesday and play hypothetical world. South Carolina beats Virginia 62-58. to 58. Who is the player of the game? I'll say, this is tough, um, I'll say Jair Bolden. I think if you're going to do it, he's going to have to give you 12 to 14 points, um, shoot you know, three for seven, four for nine from the three-point line. Uh, and if he does that, then I think you have a pretty good shot at winning this basketball game. So as we wrap up here, are you going to officially cast your reverse jinx onto uh, Jair Bolden? Yeah, let's do it. Why not? All right. Jair, Jair Bolden. Bolden, where you been, man? Yeah. <laughs> do something good for once. Yeah. It's kind of hard after he you know, played well against yeah, Don't Clemson, ignore but... the 10 points in the second half in a yeah, rivalry yeah. game on the road and against an ACC team. This where might backfire. I don't know if it'll ever be as perfect as Trey Hannibal 
Hey, his where, where is Trey Hannibal and then his loud four points against Clemson? Yeah. Again, it wasn't even that outrageous of a performance. Uh, I'll be curious to see because I think the other thing you and I mentioned, I guess with regards to Hannibal specifically, whom we haven't talked about at all in this podcast, you see what kind of upside he brings. Had a good game against Clemson. It's just a matter of doing it consistently. Uh, you know, if Carolina's going to need all hands on deck, again, especially from the backcourt, if they're going to go with, if they're just going to double down on pace, if they're going to double down on shooting and playing as many guards and wings on the floor as humanly possible, I wonder if he can actually string together two nice games here or if he had a good game against Clemson means he's not going to have a good game against Virginia and what that would mean for Carolina because I think, frankly, more minutes for Hannibal and fewer minutes for Moss when you're looking at the different back backcourt permutations that Carolina's going to play on Sunday. I think that, that's got to be part of it. I agree, and I think that if if you're going to win, Trey Hannibal's going to play probably 10 to 15, 10 to 18 minutes um, and just pressure the ever-loving hell out of the ball. and uh, <laughs> Loud four points. Yeah, loud four points, force some turnovers, force some loose balls. Uh, clocks and passing lanes, and if he does that, then South Carolina, he'll give South Carolina exactly what they need coming off the bench with Kustar probably also coming off the bench with him. All right, so this is dangerous because we're about to set a precedent here one way or the other. Okay. Are we going to make final score predictions on this podcast? Ooh. I've never been a final score predictions guy. I'm not That's either. Not, yeah, I've okay. never been that. All right, no final score prediction, but the game will be, um, I don't know, maybe a perverse kind of entertaining or if if you are someone that uh, if you're a masochist, yeah, if you're a little bit of a masochist, if you didn't think the Irishman was too long, if uh, if you're someone that enjoys the movie Mulholland Drive, yeah. um, actually, maybe that's not the right one. I don't know. If you don't think Return of the King is too long, then you're yeah. probably gonna like this game, which means I'm gonna like this game because <laughs> I love Return of the King. And um, what was yeah. the extended cut on that? It's oh man, it's like two, I think no, no, no. It's like three. it's like four plus. It's like close to. <sighs> Because uh, my roommate Joe and I are massive Lord of the Rings fans. Okay. And we, it was like an annual tradition, I think in high school. We haven't done it in a while, sadly. We did it once in college. where We just watch all three extended Lord of the Rings back to back to back in one day. And it's like 12, 13 hours. Yeah, no. I I, I love it. I've never been, a, I'm, I'm a huge nerd, but I've never gotten into the whole Lord of the Rings. I'm a not Star Wars, Harry Potter. Did you see Star Wars last night? I have not. Okay, and right, cool. I haven't found some time, but all right. yeah, we're going to see it after Christmas. All right, very good. Yeah. All right, well, we will report back on Tuesday after South Carolina either wins or loses against Virginia. No final score predictions here. Maybe at that point, Colin will have seen. Actually, we won't be here Tuesday because it's Christmas, Christmas Eve. Eve yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe we'll do something Sunday after the game or Monday. We'll talk about the Virginia game at some point, and we'll get Colin's review on Star Wars. Hopefully. And he'll also have to report back on this Lord of the Rings marathon that I'm now going to make him do. <laughs> be sure to read his uh, piece previewing the Virginia Cavaliers for all the other good stats we didn't get to in this podcast on GamecockCentral.com. He's obviously going to do everything after the game too and just you i mean you work too much anyway but read all of his stuff on gamecockcentral.com and as far as this podcast don't forget to rate and review subscribe to the podcast as soon as we post this on tif on gamecock central um y'all keep name suggestions rolling so we can actually name this thing or else the title is just going to keep getting longer and more convoluted um but i guess it's okay i mean really all that matters is that you rate review subscribe give us all your feedback whether you love it whether you hate it Anything you want to hear that we do, anything that we do too much, let us know. This is a living, breathing entity, and you guys make it happen. So thank you all so much for listening. Uh, y'all enjoy. Well, I don't know when we'll be back, but enjoy the game. If we're not back before Christmas, enjoy your Christmas, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>